Well, we are following on as from last week um, in the, the book of Luke, and we are at the end of chapter 5. Uh, the, the title of our subject today is Legalism, and we're looking at really two, two subjects. One is fasting, and the other one is a, 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 a appearance to the, uh, the, the law of the Sabbath. So I'm going to just take them uh, one at a time. I mean, they are both, both uh, maybe uh, titled under legalism. Uh, there were two things that the Lord Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees um, and the teachers of the day who believed themselves to be all knowledgeable and uh, righteous people. And they challenged the Lord in these two areas. So let's read the, the first one, which is in, in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 33, through to the end of the chapter. So I'll read that section first, and then make some comments on it. So reading from the NIV. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, no new wine must be poured into, sorry, new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new for he says the old is better the subject of fasting is maybe one that we are a lot of us are not very familiar with it's it's not something that i think a lot of people in christians uh, in christendom are maybe actively involved in it was something that was taught in scripture and it's something that was very clearly uh, going on in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ was here. And um, when the Lord was challenged about it, um, it seems from what he said that that had been put aside because it was not something he felt was relevant while he was there. Fasting is something that, you know, you need to really um, stop and think about a little bit. Um, you all know, of course, what that means. It's abstaining from, uh, from something, in this case, food, which uh, for a purpose. The purpose would have been to enhance the person's capability of giving to God spiritually. 
The trouble with it, of course, is that it, it can become a habit and it can become something that self-righteous people abuse and they want to be seen to be righteous so therefore they would make a big show of fasting and so that everybody knows it's going on and therefore they are uh, esteemed by their fellow peers. That is not the purpose of it. And what the Lord went on to talk about here was this trying to explain and give an understanding of the purpose of fasting and when it should be done and when it shouldn't be done. Of course, when we start going into, well, when it should be done, it takes us into a realm that um, I'll spend a little bit of time on. And it's, it, I, I think it is something which is a, a personal thing. I think, you know, in, in some religions, as you know, that there, there are times that are set aside, uh, like Ramadan in, in the Muslim faith, of course, where it's done very specifically and all people are expected to conform. And, uh, of course, that's where you can so clearly see abuse because um, whilst there might be people that do it for the right reasons and are genuine in their spirituality uh, as the purpose of it there's others that just do it for show and of course that's always the problem what the lord was uh, teaching here uh, in about the sowing of the new material into old material and the new wine into old wineskins i think what he was teaching here was the difference that you get in the spirituality of people and that you're, you can't expect, like a new Christian, let me put it in those terms, to be brought into a group of mature Christians and be expected just to blend in. It's not going to work. The purpose of fasting is, I believe, for mature Christians. It's something that the, the whole point of it and the whole benefits that can come out of fasting is so that you do it for the reasons of enhancing your appreciation of God or the Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. And that that understanding can only come through maturity. So that as you study the Word of God and your relationship with the Godhead, develops, then you get to a point when by abstaining from, let's call it the, the pleasures of uh, eating or setting aside time to purely meditate to go on God and to give to God, that that time can be very profitable if it's used in the right way. A young Christian would find that very difficult or more difficult. And so therefore, I think what the Lord was teaching here was that you've got to be careful about, uh, as the Pharisees were doing, and starting to point the finger and saying, look at these Christians. Look at, call them that, these followers of the Lord Jesus. Look at what they're doing. That's breaking the law. Um, 
Why don't they fast? Because we do it. Or even the disciples of John the Baptist did it. And so therefore they were trying to pick holes, of course. They were trying to uh, accuse the Lord Jesus and find reasons to do that. And the Lord was pointing out and saying, really, you're not thinking this through properly. There's a time and place for these things. He refers to the, the, the bridegroom, which of course is referring to himself. He said, when the bridegroom is here, and of course that's at any wedding, you go and uh, you enjoy, the, well, we, they refer here to the bridegroom uh, as, as being the main person of the wedding. Let, let's be a bit more um, uh, even about this and say that our wedding is the bride as well as the bridegroom that you're focused on and you're there to enjoy, to celebrate, and you wouldn't fast at a wedding. So when the, the bridegroom and the, and the whole picture of a, a wedding feast and the, a wedding celebration is not the time to fast because you're there to enjoy and looking at it from the Jewish type of wedding 2,000 years ago, you're there to be looking out for the bridegroom, to enjoy him, to be waiting for him and to celebrate with him on the coming together at a wedding with his wife. So he was making the point that he's the bridegroom. So whilst he's there, was not the time for his disciples to go fasting. They, the point was, he's there, you sit at his feet, you listen to him, you watch him, and you observe and you learn from him. When he's gone, then that's the time when fasting would be pertinent. That's the day we live in today. The bridegroom has gone. And there's, we are fortunate that the Lord Jesus said that when he went, he would, he would send the comforter. And we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit within us. So as we mature spiritually and as we get more of an understanding through the Holy Spirit's um, teaching us and as we are studying the Word of God, then meditation becomes more and more beneficial. I'm sure I'm, I'm talking to people here who have experienced this already. When you're a young Christian, um, <coughs> meditation's hard <laughs> or harder. Uh, and I'm talking meditation and fasting, you know, I'm putting this together. Um, I think fasting is a means of meditation. It's a means of just putting aside the things that crowd into your life. We had a debate about this at uh, the Conference of Overseers quite a number of years ago, and John will remember this, because I think he was maybe even a German at the time, I don't know. But, uh, there was a lot of debate about, about this and uh, the benefits and such like, and it was decided really that it wasn't something that, that leaders or overseers of the, uh, the churches of God wanted to be imposing on saints in an ad hoc or sort of way, 
that we're de demanding it and saying that you must do it, or it's because it is taught in the scriptures, it seems to have come about in a way that it's been left to the individual and it's, it's something that's almost, it's worth your consideration. But I think the teaching here that the Lord is saying is there is a time for it. And it's that one thing is a time, it's when the bridegroom's not here. And the second thing is, it's a time where you need to be mature. Because there's no point in having a time set apart when you think, I'm not going to eat, and all you do is sit and watch your telly. <laughs> or you go and read a book, it's a, um, some fictional book or something. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is the maturity to be able to say, I want to set this time aside and I want to block out the, the, the usual things that, that crowd into my life that cause me uh, difficulties in con concentrating on Christ. And fasting could be one of these things that you could consider. Uh, if it's a way that you maybe, like most of us, you struggle to do that, then setting aside a time in your life when you say, right, I'm going to um, fast, I'm going to have no food uh, for that period, that'll make me hungry. That will concentrate the mind because I'll know I'm not going to eat and I'm going to pick up the word and I'm going to devote that time in meditation. Using the Holy Spirit, my communion with my own spirit, and revealing things to me and using that. Now, other people feel they can do that maybe without fasting. That's fine. So, we're not dictating, just suggesting. And I think this is what the Lord Jesus was saying here, that to impose that on some people would be wrong and would cause concern and possible breakup as in the wine and the garment. So I just leave that thought with you. Fasting is something that is a lovely discussion to have um, because a lot of times people say, well, why don't we do it? Well, do it is my answer. <laughs> um, but it's not something we impose on everybody. It's, it's really when you feel, I think, when you feel spiritually mature enough to do it, uh, to do it for the glory of God, then by all means do it. Let's just look, go on to um, the rest of the, the Sabbath. In chapter 6 now, just reading from the first 11 verses. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields and his disciples began to pick some ears of corn rub them in their hands and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing this, what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, taking the consecrated bread. He ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some, of his some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there 
whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew that they were thinking what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to him, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Again, the Lord here is being challenged by legalism, being challenged that the law of the Sabbath that had first of all been given to all mankind and was included in the law of Moses. And again, like a lot of the laws, had been distorted through time to the point when um, there was almost like police going around checking that people weren't doing this, that, and the next thing on the Sabbath. And they thought, when they saw the disciples of the Lord doing something innocuous, like picking up the ears of the corn and rubbing them and feeding themselves from it, that that was something that they had now determined was against the law of the Sabbath, which was absolute nonsense and showed just how things had changed in the minds of man who take God's law and distort it. This, um, the Lord's reference was to David. You get the Lord pointing to somebody, he takes somebody like David who was the greatest king of Israel and he, he picks him because he knows that all of Israel would have considered him as being way up there. He was the, the king. He's the, the greatest king Israel had ever had. So he chose him and he reminded them about what David did in a very extreme circumstance where he was out with these men and he's, he's absolutely starving. And he, and he ends up going to the house of God and asking the priest for bread. And the priest didn't have any bread other than the consecrated bread it was a table on the table of showbread. And he's given that, and he takes that, and he eats it. Now, the Lord isn't very, very clear, maybe, here as to whether he condoned that. But what he was pointing out and saying, well, if you've got men that are dying of starvation, it doesn't really matter. Um, where's the bread come from? Uh, is, it not, is there not certain circumstances when you've got to be looking at these things in a sort of more sensible way? And the Sabbath was something that was given by God and it was given again for a spiritual purpose. And when he, the laws of, that were given to the people of Israel about don't do this and don't do that on the, uh, on the Sabbath were designed, again, a bit like fasting, where it was a case of, well, what you should do in that day 
Let's look at the positive side. You should be sitting down and meditating. You should be appreciating, as God did, his creation. That for six days he worked, he created the world, and on the seventh day he enjoyed it. Because he saw that it was good, and he meditated on that, and he wanted really to pass that on to mankind. To observe the Sabbath as being on the seventh day and work for the six days. And on the seventh day, give it to me. <laughs> um, meditate, enjoy, rest physically, rest, but meditate mentally. It's been distorted by mankind again because somehow or other we've managed to change uh, the seventh day to the first day. <laughs> uh, again, that was done by man. You never read about that in the scriptures. Um, you only you read about uh, the Lord's Day. Uh, I remember when, as when I was growing up, my parents and, and many around treated the Lord's Day like the Sabbath and used the, the Sabbath uh, teaching and put it into the Lord's Day. You know, I wasn't allowed to play, I wasn't allowed to do this, and I wasn't allowed to do that. This was a day that was dedicated to the Lord. Uh, and that was the way people thought at that time. Uh, and they, it, it was transferring the laws of the Sabbath onto the first day. A lot of discussion we can have on that. The, what, we, what we do know for a fact was that the Sabbath continued to be observed by the early Christians. The early Christians were Jews, of course, and they observed the Sabbath. And then on the following day, which was the Sunday, <laughs> as we know it today, which would have been a normal working day for them, they, must, they went and they remembered the Lord Jesus and the breaking of the bread and the pouring out of the wine. Now we can only imagine they did that, possibly very early, before they went off to work. That's my reading of that situation. But when you read, and the only time you do read about it is John in the Isle of Patmos, that it says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, that the only possible understanding about that, I believe, was that it, it was Sunday. <laughs> uh, because it was, if, if it was the Sabbath, he would have said the Sabbath. But he was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day. And therefore, to call it the Lord's Day was giving it a certain level of importance that that was the day that was to be given to the Lord. And so how that would have been done would have been, I believe, they would have given to the Lord, as I said in my prayer at the beginning, that you give to the Lord first. And the importance of that uh, stands out that at the beginning of a week that you give to the Lord first, and then everything else flows from that. Now that brings in an awful lot more importance, of course, on the seventh day. Because if we were observing the seventh day as the Lord has taught, would we not be using that as preparation for the Lord's day? It's a, again, I just a thought that I posed that we call it Saturday. And of course, we're using um, names of weeks, day, the, the names we give to the days of the week. 
are all pagan, of course. <coughs> so, just in order for us to understand uh, what we're talking about here, uh, rather than because the only names of days that seem to be in the Christian calendar are the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. Other than that, <coughs> it must have been numbered, I think. When we are using the Sabbath day, the, the seventh day, as a day of rest, as a day of meditation, as a day of contemplation, uh, and if that was used as I believe the Lord wanted it, then it would prepare us for going into the first day of the week, ready to give to God. I think, um, let's just read in, uh, I've got a verse there in First Peter, First Peter chapter 2. <coughs> First Peter chapter 2 verse 15 reads For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men Live as free men but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil Live as servants of God Show proper respect to everyone Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. I think the, the thought there is about, about the doing of our lives, or how we conduct ourselves. Um, that when the Lord Jesus said that you talked about doing good and doing evil, when he was referring um, to this situation that we had where his disciples were eating grain or when he was healing uh, the man who was sick, we got the Pharisees had got to such a ridiculous situation where they would almost walk away from somebody who was dying if it was on a Sabbath, because they had gone so far away from what I believe God had intended that um, they were just so self-righteous that that's where they got. And they thought that when they, if they could challenge the Lord to do good on the Sabbath, then that would, would, would catch them out and that would prove um, that he wasn't who he claimed he was. And it's just ridiculous, for, you know, when you stop and you, and you think about this. And of course, the Lord saw through all of this. And healing somebody who he picked out with the withered hand was doing good. Would you not want to do good? Would you not want to help somebody? Almost particularly on the Sabbath. <laughs> uh, rather than making it out as being something where you're self-righteously going to watch somebody in t suffering and pain just because it's a Sabbath. It, it, it's as ridiculous as that, and that's where they had got to. And the teaching is very clear that the priority has got to be in the spiritual, that we are wanting to be like Christ. Christ is setting the example here that what is the purpose of the Sabbath? 
The purpose of the Sabbath is to honour God. Is it not honour God to do good? Of course. These things are just becoming so blatantly obvious. And I think when we are just looking at these two things of fasting and of the, of the Sabbath, they are spiritual. And it's all about our spirituality and giving to God and understanding and appreciating the need for us in our meditation in our Christian lives to grow spiritually and understanding, to appreciate God. That's what was the purpose of the Sabbath because you go right away back to the beginning of the Bible when God saw everything that he'd created, he rested and the resting was enjoying his handiwork and he wants us to do that too. The purpose of the Sabbath. So I'll leave these thoughts with you because they're quite challenging. <laughs> and <clears throat> in our Western lives, um, we don't fast, or at least most of us don't, maybe. Maybe it's something you should consider. We don't keep the Sabbath either. And as far as I can read, the Lord Jesus never at any time rescinded that law. That was given not just to the Jews, it's not a Jewish thing. It's in the Jewish law, but it was given to all mankind right at the beginning of the Bible. is to rest on the seventh day. And that is something, again, I'll leave with you just to meditate on, as to how you use your Saturdays. <laughs> and we talk about preparation and just growing spiritually and then how you then use your Sabbath in order to take it into the Lord's Day, uh, to be in the Spirit in such a way that that enhances the other, one enhances the other and that we go into the week honouring the Lord. <coughs> Some thoughts for consideration. <coughs>